Hey, this is Annie. And again, Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, production of iHeartRadio. I always have to pretend like I'm surprised. Like, I'm still here. (laughs) I love it. I love your tone of surprise. Always with you, the tone of surprise. (laughs) You have have to switch it up because, you know, eh, why not? Definitely. Keep me and the listeners on our toes. I actually, (laughs) how do you feel about a good, like, surprise or twist in media, Samantha? It's according to what kind of surprise or twist there is. Mm Mm-hmm. So. Like, I will say, if it gets too dark and I don't know there's a happy ending, I'm going to quit. But if you tell me there's going to be a happy ending, I'll be better. I love a good surprise um, and a good twist. Like, if it's if it's just ridiculous and unearned, I don't like that. Uh, right. But something like from these movies we're talking about today, Star Wars, I Am Your Father, I would have loved to have had that, that surprise. surprise. Um, it's kind of like the uh, I see dead people. I, yeah, I did love that too. Um, <laughs> I had yeah, I went through such a big sixth sense phase because I love horror and good horror can sometimes be hard to find. Right, and to be fair, you only can get that once. I know. I That's know. the sad part. But you, you are someone who has watched movies with me and movies that I love, and you know I get reinvested every time, as if I'm you like you. <laughs> it's almost like you get surprised again. Like the the way you're so invested that when I look at your face, you're like, oh, oh my gosh, <laughs> that I truly believe that it's the first time you've seen it. Yeah, and I've I've wondered about that, and I had a friend who kind of like interviewed me. She said, "So tell me." Why is it every time we watch these movies you've seen hundreds of times together, you act as though you've never seen it? And I was trying to explain that for me, it's almost like I can count on these feelings and sensations it gives me every time. And that's why I keep watching them. And I love those. It's almost like riding a roller coaster. I love riding roller coasters. I'd ride it a million times. Even if you knew, well, it's true, because when we've ridden a ride together, you do act like. It's a new thing for you. and You're so excited about it in advance. So for you, when we were talking about the Star Wars, because that was the first time you wrote it, mm-hmm. what was your feels other than, because the initial was that you were so excited that you almost tore, like you almost had tears in your, you did have tears in your eyes as you're like, we're going to write it. What was your feel after the fact that you wrote it for the first time? You were quiet. I was I quiet. I, I was like almost euphoria, <laughs> uh, just a relief and a happiness that we did this. I'd been so worried about it. I thought we would never make it happen. And we, it was around 2 p.m. that we finally got to write it. And mm-hmm. it was just, oh, it, it, I can't believe that it happened. All these things could have gone wrong. And we did it. And, it, and we were. We were kind of scared that it was going to go wrong, whether it was the weather, whether it was being backed up, whether it would break down. Because also, I had this experience with you with the uh, Hagrid ride. Oh, yes. Oh. And I was like, we can't leave here without you actually riding this ride. Because I think that would have been one of the biggest disappointments for you and for me to see you ride it, to see you after the fact and the stories that you had. Yeah. But it's kind of that same level. Yeah, I am so glad you were like, you have to ride this ride no matter what. I really oh, no. I wasn't going to let you leave without that. <laughs> I love how supportive you are. It's one of my favorite things about you. 
you made it sure that it happened, and I am so glad that I wrote that right. I will say you make it easy because I know what you love. Yes. I, and that's, yeah. a, like, first and foremost, one of the things that I love about my friends, and and by the way, when we read the listener letter about her friend doing the Harry Potter, she actually tweeted, her friend tweeted about how much she loved her friend for doing oh, that. Yeah. That is the That is the stuff that I love about women loving women yeah. and our female supporting females. But that is what I see. Like, I'm like, oh my God, Annie has to do this because <laughs> she loves it. Of course, I love to tease you and be like, no, it's never happening. But, but also. just watching this movie, just seeing you on these rides, this passion, I don't know if ever I've ever felt passionate like that. And you do. And it's fun to watch. I'm glad. I'm glad because as I said in the last one, in part one of our Princess Leia Star Wars overview, I've been embarrassed about it. Like, still to this day, I struggle with it. I think fandom is more accepted now, but when I was younger, I definitely felt like a weirdo. Um, Right. And even my older brother, who loved Star Wars, um, he would make fun of me for liking Star Wars. And he said I was, like, too into it, and it was strange. And luckily for me, I was too in it to be deterred. (laughs) And I love that. I think people who love things are genuinely, you know who they are. Yeah. And to me, they are diehards and loyal. And loyalty is really hard to find. Yeah, yeah. And I think that fandom certainly can be toxic. And we've talked about that before. And I am someone who... uh, I'm able to separate the things that I love about Star Wars in particular, anything that I do really love, the good things and the bad things. And like, sure, I didn't like this movie, but that doesn't ruin everything else for me. And I know for some people it does. Um, Right. But for me, it doesn't. And I have to, just to put this out there, loving anything too much, obsession (laughs) is dangerous. Yes. But to be able to love something is a genuinely good thing. And for those who support friends, those who, uh, for me, like, I... Again, I think I've talked about this before about attachment issues. I don't quite understand this level of this bond, but I love it when I see it because I wish I could be as in it as as you are. Well, you are, I'm so glad it meant so much to me that you watched these with me and you shared it with me. Um, because yeah, we are. This is our part two of our <laughs> epic um, Star Wars. Princess Leia Feminism Overview. Please go check out part one if you haven't listened to it already, in which we talk about the cultural impact of Star Wars and Leia. And we did the plot overview of A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back from the original trilogy because we're mostly focusing on those. Um, And today we're going to start with Return of the Jedi, which is the final one in this original trilogy. Um, It's much maligned. Uh, It was my favorite as a kid. Mm-hmm. It's still my second favorite, and you can judge me for that if you want. But Empire Strikes Back, number one, Return of the Jedi, New Hope. <laughs> <laughs> so, in Return of the Jedi, Leia poses as a bounty hunter to infiltrate Jabba's palace to save Han. Which, by the way, I didn't know who Jabba was, and, that, and Annie had to tell me who the green slime yeah. was. Big, Jabba, yeah. I got it. <laughs> I got it. And a lot of people joke that she is on a mission to save her prince. hmm I agree with that. Uh, but is found out after freeing Han from Carbonite and enslaved by Jabba, 
chained by his side, which is the scene that I know. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, this is where slave Leia in the metal bikini comes in. Yeah. That I mean, I get it. It was very sexist, but damn, she looked good in it. She did. Go, she, she looked good. Which, by the way, again, was one of the three scenes that I knew about. Yeah. <laughs> of course, everyone knows about that, I guess. Everyone. So Luke, Han, and Chewie are sentenced to death as they fight their way out. And Leia strangles Jabba with her chains because she is a badass. Yeah. Uh, and she kills him with the tools of her oppression and escapes. And by the way, I think I did make a few comments about how Chewie looked really rough in these scenes. He did. And I always forget really that possibly someone doesn't know my level of nerddom, nerddom and I know you had to deal with that because I'll just forget, like, oh, you don't know all these things that I just know. Uh, yeah. yeah, Jabba is kind of this big crime lord who um, Han had a big debt to. And so after he got frozen in carbonite, got sent to Jabba, hanging on his wall like an ornament. Right. Um, so I learned about the Mandalorian at this point. <laughs> I don't I think learned. I ever explained that properly to you, but yes. Cause, well, I think if you didn't, uh, my partner Joe did, tried to, and I was just was like staring back and forth at both of you. Um, so I learned about the two of them. I also learned that the original McClunky <laughs> scene, <laughs> the McClunky, was due to Jabba, right? Uh, yeah. Well, it's the Greedo, who's Holly Fry, super fan Holly Fry's uh, favorite character. I'm not calling her super fan. She's super. Expert. She is an expert. You're right. We should give her the respect she is due. Um. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually have a whole thing, and I'm going to come back to this once we get to the newer movies, but uh, you, I'm not sure you're aware of this, Samantha, but a lot of people love Boba Fett, who is the bounty hunter that, that looks like the Mandalorian. Um, and I just think he's bad at his job. And Well, I did keep asking, where's the baby? Yes, you did. What's his name? Well, everyone calls him Baby Yoda, Yoda. which is not baby correct, Yoda. but um, yeah. Well, I just, and so therefore, because I know about Baby Yoda and the popularity and the cuteness of Baby Yoda, Mm -hmm. I called everything Baby Something. (laughs) Yes, you did. Also, I didn't mean for that to sound judgmental that everyone gets, I also call it Baby Yoda. (laughs) I'm just saying (laughs) it's... You sound judgmental. It is exactly what it is. I, who knows nothing of Star Wars... No, 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 no. No, everybody does that. Baby Yoda is super cute, (laughs) and then everything is Baby Something. Yes, yes. (laughs) <laughs> I appreciated it. Um, so, yeah, yeah. There's, there's big crime lord. Leia kills him. Uh, when Carrie Fisher was asked if she wanted a stunt double to kill Jabba, she's like, hell no. I want to do it. Yes. And this is probably the scene that causes the most feminist discussion, kind of ire. It was definitely a way of catering to the male gaze. Although it is worth pointing out that when these movies themselves came out, they were not seen as for men and boys. That came later. That came around the time of Return of the Jedi. I think this is a scene that I was like, oh, look, there's the one Asian girl. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But we talked about this in our Star Wars Feminism episode and our Action Figures episode about how this series sort of got really drawn into as part of the fact that merchandising was such a big part of it, the rebranding in the 90s of this is for boys and this is for girls. And it was firmly set aside as this is for boys. Um, And Slave Leia is absolutely serving this cause. Um, This became instant sex symbol. And this is the image that many publications use of her. Even my... 
fancy Star Wars encyclopedia in their entry for Leia. That is the the image that they use. And um, it was the image they used on the 1983 cover of the Rolling Stones when Return of the Jedi was announced. It has inspired so much cosplay. It has a cult following of its own despite having only two minutes of screen time. So the fact that that is one of the three things that you knew about this movie is very revealing because it's two minutes or less. Fisher has spoken about how miserable it was to film these scenes and how the male crew mocked her that dignity was out of the question, as she said. And it was made of metal, or at least one of them was, so it didn't really move with her. Uh, One version was made of rubber, but she had to be very careful about how she moved. And she's expressed her annoyance that the costume has been taken out of context of that scene becoming synonymous with sexy. A parent even recently complained that the Leia in a metal bikini toy was being sold at Target, that it was too sexy. When, if you think about what's happening in those scenes, it's horrendous. And Leia's expression of contempt and rage communicates her feelings about it and the fact that she ultimately kills the the one who tried to take power from her. And Jabba, her captor, and the one viewing her as a sex object is objectively gross. He's gross. He kind of serves as a stand-in for those that would objectify her. And you do not want to be Jabba. He's leering. His tongue is rolling out. Um, Almost every scene with Leia in this outfit comes with Jabba in the background. A reminder that if you're fantasizing about this non-consensual situation, well, you have something in common with this disgusting creature right here. This is something people often ignore or forget. What they remember of all Leia has done is that she was really hot in that bikini, and that is so frustrating. It's something we as women see all the time. We can lead a rebellion for for three movies, but still be remembered for when we were at our weakest and most humiliated. Um, and the fact that she is known here as Slave Leia, which is never used in the script, by the way, that that's something culture and fans assign to, the, to her, and not just Leia, is disturbing and very indicative. A lot have accused... George Lucas of having his cake and eating it too, of catering to the male gaze while also condemning it. Right. So there is an episode of Friends where Rachel dresses up in the metal bikini for Ross. Uh, I guess it's called the one with the Princess Leia fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are slave Leia burlesque routines, belly dancing routines, and strip routines, also collector's items and toys, which is all yuck. Yeah. I do like some of the dance and burlesque routines or reclaim it, which is really cool as like a power, power scene. I personally prefer dressing up as Leia to get out of jury duty on 30 Rock, even though she shouldn't be embarrassed of her cosplay. I say as I'm in cosplay. Um, and Carrie Fisher's guest appearance on that show is fantastic. Uh, it is so good. It's probably one of my favorite episodes, mm-hmm. especially with the whole icon of her being a writer and a strong female writer for a field that is dominated by men mm-hmm. in her age. So, like, it was just so stacked. There are so many layers to that episode with Carrie Fisher. And also, Carrie Fisher as a comedian, yes, she is amazing. Her timing is freaking amazing. Fantastic, fantastic. That one's called Rosemary's Baby, if anyone has missed it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of debate in the Star Wars community about whether Jabba assaulted Leia in this scene. The consensus seems to be no, that the outfit was his way of taking away her power. 
There's also a lot of informal research on why the costume has resonated so much with women and why so many women cosplay it. Dancer Amira Saeed, who has used the outfit in her teens, has said, quote, Jabba put her into the outfit to humiliate her, but Leia was such a strong character, her will made the costume empowering. Right, and some fans have rebranded Slave Leia as Leia the Hut Slayer, <laughs> as they should, and Amy Schumer poked fun at this in a photo shoot as well. Yes. Yes. And as you have told me a couple of times, Annie <laughs> Carrie Fisher advised new Star Wars actress Daisy Ridley not to let them put her in a bikini. And apparently that was a wise statement. <laughs> and I do want to throw in here just a note. Uh, this is still hotly debated. I have read arguments that Leia killing Jabba is not empowering. I've read so many that it is. I think a part of the problem is the way mostly masculine fan culture around Star Wars tries to reduce things. Like, she was rescued on the Death Star, which is technically true, but misses the whole context of the saying it. She was a sexy prisoner of Jabba's, which, again, it just doesn't have the context. So I don't know how you let go of the fact that she killed him. <laughs> she killed her in prisoner. I know. But I think that overpowers the fact that she was a sexy pr- prisoner if she was able to kill him and get away with it and become the princess. Yes. She's, ah, I love it. Get him, Leia. Uh, (laughs) Leia, after that, joins the ground team to destroy the shield generators. I know this is a lot of technical speak. It's not super important. So that the Rebellion can destroy the Death Star. Volunteering after she learns that Han is leading this group. And her surprise, and to her surprise, is a general accepting a position in a cause important to her that he, for a long time, has shirked. And this is when he's proved his commitment, his love, and she shows hers by trusting his leadership. I mean, at the start of the movie, she never would have trusted Han to lead anything. I mean, he's handsome, but he's kind of (laughs) dumb. He has a lot of growing up to do, for sure. (laughs) Uh, And Han does not try to sideline her or protect her. He's happy she wants to be on his team. He knows she's useful and very competent. And I, I do love, she's she's not really defined by this relationship and she doesn't lose herself in it. She acknowledges what she wants and needs and accepts the fact that she does, in fact, have those things and that's okay. She goes on to lead a speeder chase after some stormtroopers is separated from the group and fights off some enemies and joins the Ewoks, which are the little teddy bear. I call them teddy bears. You also, I feel like you kept mixing up Wookiees and Ewoks. I did. I did. Uh, absolutely. Even now, as we talk about it, I won't say either one of those, honestly, <laughs> because I don't know which is which. <laughs> That's totally fair. It's totally fair. You know what's... I just call them the cute things. Yeah. I would have understood. Again, I, I can translate your Star Wars speak. You know, the interesting thing is, like, to prove the point of how successful merchandising was for these movies, Ewok is never said in the movie. Um, Wampa, the ice creature from Empire Strikes Back, that is my fan fiction name, never said name. Or never, not in right. the credits. Also, I didn't know what a Wampa was until you showed me. I know. And I can guarantee if you gave me pictures of all of these things, I probably would get one out of three right. Well, you better be ready because there's a quiz at the end. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, just kidding, kind of. Uh, okay. No, she's not kidding. <laughs> then Luke. I've seen the outline. There's quizzes. <laughs> Don't look ahead in my outline. Uh, Luke goes on to tell her that she is Luke's twin sister and Darth Vader, her past tormentor and arch nemesis, is their dad. And 
She tells Luke to run away, that she she wishes she could go with him, but he immediately calls her bluff. He says, you've always been strong, Leia. And some, as we alluded to in the part one of this, some people take issue with this scene that she didn't have a bigger reaction to the revelation that this person who tortured me and was very instrumental in the blowing up my home planet is my father. Um, and she does have more experience because of that than Luke does with Darth Vader. But I feel like if she had, people would have taken issue with that too. She's being too emotional. It, it does, to me, seem in keeping with her character that she takes it in stride. I will um, say, I will say to that, like, I think people, as an adopted woman, myself, an adopted girl, there's a mm-hmm. lot of things that you understand. And even though there's an idealization, again, I'm getting too literal with this, but there's an understanding that there's a reason you're not with your biological And, of course, this is a dramatic version of he's evil and he did things to you. But in actuality, the truth of the matter is that the reason that you were not with your biological parent, there Mm -hmm. is a component of not necessarily evil, but a dark side. So, I will say, for me, it made sense. Yeah. um, And I'm someone who, when I get news that I know is big and I'm going to have an emotional response, I usually have a pretty delayed response. I think that's me too. I am one of those that sits calmly and then walks away and reacts after the fact. I've been called out for that a couple of times. I have too. Um, I had two friends tell me that, you know, they'd been dating forever and they thought that I was, I didn't believe them or I was mad at them because I didn't have a bigger reaction, but I just, I took it in stride. And I I like to think over things and make sure I'm, responding in a way that captures how I feel and what I think. So I, I guess I sort of connected with her on that. Um, and a lot of people said she's she's playing chess. She's doing alliance versus empire in her head. Uh, meanwhile, Luke is doing a much more personal battlefield. So it has a bigger impact on him. So moving on, she fights alongside Han and Chewie and is slightly injured but keeps going. She gets to flip the I love you, I know on Han. Um, the heroes are victorious. A party ensues. She is, and Carrie Fisher herself has said this, she is more supportive and feminine in this one, completing her arc of allowing herself to lean on others to be more vulnerable. I also like the flip that she did with, or not necessarily she, but the writers, I don't know who did it, on the fact that he's the one that's insecure about yeah. the relationship, and she's the one yeah. who's like, calm down, it's not what you mm-hmm. think. And I do love that moment. I have never, because I'm not into romance, I've never really given much thought to Han and Leia's relationship. But I did like, I read an article specifically for this, and they they were kind of saying what you were saying, Samantha, is it's a sort of a flip, because in Empire Strikes Back 2, she's the one that's sort of having intimacy uh, commitment issues. And Han's the one trying to get her to admit you know, you he want you he need some something. I think we see so many films with women being in the triangle, being like, "It's cool, it's cool. I'll be the best friend. I'll be do this or whatever." Right. And and she's and she's the one. No, no, no. Calm down. Mm-hmm. You're being emotional. It's okay. <laughs> You're reading into okay. things. It's not what you think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I had to put this in there. Samantha heard my whole spiel. I'll try to shorten it though. I have a beef. That Darth Vader's last words are, tell your sister you were right about me. 
Uh, man, you tortured a dude. And those are some pretty selfish last words, yeah. I gotta say. I will say, first thing Annie told me right after that scene, right after that scene, um, and I will say, not necessarily to me, I think she was just making an outright statement, was, <laughs> that's, oh, no, that's, that's what? No, you're still a bad guy. You tortured her. <laughs> that, that was the initial statement. And I kind of looked at it, I was like, you're right. You're absolutely right. This does not justify what you did to her. No. Glad you're on my side. I am. <laughs> and I did just want to put this in here um, because it does come up in a lot of feminist essays about Princess Leia, which you would not believe how many there are. Or maybe you would. It's Vader's threat to turn Leia to the dark side that goads Luke into attacking Darth Vader, cutting off Vader's hands and almost losing himself, his hands, uh, and almost losing himself to the dark side. Some interpret that as sort of a the whole Hero using complex. women to justify violence. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. So put that out there. Um, and then moving on to the new, the new ones, which we're, again, not going to talk about too much. You can hear more about that in our, especially The Last Jedi's feminism, uh, in our feminism in Star Wars episode, because that movie really does have a lot going on when it comes to feminism. But Leia, reprised by Carrie Fisher. And by the way, I did not see this, so all of this is just no. conjecture from my point of view. <laughs> no, but I would love, like, I won't make you watch it, but I would love to just tell you what happens in it. Yeah. Because it's it's kind of shocking how much feminist dialogue is in it. Um, okay, so Leia, reprised by Carrie Fisher, She's the one that stays. So these take place a couple decades after the original trilogy, and Han has left. Uh, Luke is socially distancing way before it was cool. (laughs) Uh, But Leia stayed to lead the fight against the First Order, which is the new empire, and her son is a member of that. And it's revealed that she was trained by Luke to be a Jedi, but she had a vision that if she completed her training, her son would die. So she gave it up. No spoilers. Um, When it was announced that she would return, of course, a lot of internet was like, she's too old, she's too fat. On the flip side, people were really worried that she'd just be a token or a cameo. But she's running the whole show. She definitely teaches Flyboy Poe a valuable lesson about listening to and respecting women in The Last Jedi, even though a lot of people did not like it. Um, When asked what she wanted fans to take away from Leia in the new movies, Fisher said, never give up. Fisher was also very outspoken that Leia remained a strong character for the generations who had grown up looking up to her and for new generations as well to stay true to Princess Leia and the fans of Princess Leia. And to Twitter trolls commenting on her looks and age, Carrie Fisher responded, please stop debating about whether or not I have aged well. Unfortunately, it hurts all three of my feelings. My body hasn't aged well as I have. Youth and beauty are not accomplishments. They're temporary, happy byproducts of time and or DNA. Don't hold your breath for either. Also, here's another controversial thing I want to say, because this causes a lot of argument in the Star Wars fan community. Kylo Ren is a bad Jedi. I'm just going to leave that there. Like, people like to complain that Rey was too good too fast. Maybe Kylo Ren was just bad. Have we ever thought about that? I would just like to say, once again, the stormtroopers and the damn guns, they didn't know how to use them because it never touched people. <laughs> I'm just very confused what they were used for other than yeah. a laser show because other than bringing a little smoke here and there, <laughs> it rarely killed someone. I don't understand how yeah. bad they are at aim and why they are stormtroopers if they can't aim a laser. <laughs> 
It is. That is a running joke in the series. And I loved watching it with you as someone who hadn't seen it and just seeing you immediately pick up on it. It's like, why yeah. is it, why has no one hit any of them? If there's 20 of them with laser guns and three of them with two guns, why? Maybe they're just bad. They are. Or, see, my theory is maybe their hearts weren't in it and they were just pretending. Maybe. They were like, oh. They just wanted a laser show, right? Yeah, probably. I mean, to be probably. fair... I feel like uh, none of the good guys were able to hit the bad guys either. Like, it was very Nobody rare. Was. It was very rare. You know who did really well? Ewoks and rocks. Yeah. With spears. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yep. they got him. One Ewok died. R.I.P. But then they got him with <laughs> vines and rocks. That's all I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons people really don't like Return of the Jedi, but yes. <laughs> um, so, in the Legends universe which is all the books that came out after the movies, books and comics and everything um, that Disney has now said is not canon, so it's called Legends. But in that, she becomes a Jedi and a leader of the New Republic. Oh my gosh, we could talk so much, or I could, because I've read all these things about Leia in Legends, but then this episode will never end. And I did ask her to end it at page 22. She did. She stepped in. <laughs> she put the foot down. So thanks, Samantha, for that, listeners. Um, there's political marriages. There's a whole book called The Courtship of Princess Leia. There's multiple kidnappings, pheromone seduction, which scared me as a kid. Um, forgiveness. Forgiveness. When Luke turns to the dark side, Leia resists similar temptations and is able to turn Luke back. When did he turn so, to the dark side? Uh, he did in one of the books. Oh. Um, yeah. And I, t- I went into all the Luke Skywalker clone, whose name is Luke with two U's. That's also <laughs> in, the, in the books. It's one of my favorites, in fact. Two Lukes. This can't get any better. I'm not ready for all of this. Okay. <laughs> so that's sort of a very, uh, somehow both very long and very short rundown of the plots of these movies. <laughs> um, so now we're going to talk about feminism and Princess Leia. But first, we're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So, as we said in part one, Princess Leia is widely regarded as a feminist icon. There's even something called Leia feminism. Carrie Fisher herself has described Princess Leia as a huge feminist icon. In response to those that call her a damsel in distress in movies, she said, she bossed them around. I don't know what your idea of distress is, but that wasn't it. And I wasn't some babe running around the galaxy with my tits bouncing around. So I wasn't threatening to women. Carrie Fisher was instrumental in this characterization of Leia. She was a Hollywood script fixer, and she was very involved in making Leia what she was. She said she loved Leia. She loved her feistiness, the fact that she killed Jabba the Hutt. In her memoir, The Princess Diarist, she wrote that she was, quote, honored to be Leia's representative here on Earth. She has often said that she was Leia, and Leia was her. And I love that. I love when you find an actor who embraces this. Right. (sighs) I think it's... I think, I think it's lovely. Because she created it, so she loved it. It was a part of her. Exactly. When the this character debuted, there weren't many strong female role models in movies and television. Most female characters served as decorations or prizes to be won. 
Leia was vastly different when compared to other princesses at the time, and still is in many ways. She was our first badass princess in pop culture, and especially important when we think about entertainment aimed towards children, because these were seen as children's movies. Um, She became an instant icon for girls and women. She defied stereotypes about women and princesses and what they could do. And in the new movies, her title is General. In the early days, women ran Star Wars fanzines and fan clubs. Amen. Some second-wave feminists criticized Princess Leia when the film came out for her masculine traits. This was during the Vietnam War when masculinity was associated with war and violence, and people had a lot of anxiety around that. Take this quote from a 1985 Time article. Masculinity itself becomes a horror, all rage and aggression and reptilian brain. Second wave feminism was largely founded alongside the anti-war movement. Leia was a military leader and orchestrated battles that led to many deaths. When she wasn't doing that, she was a prisoner of war. So she was at odds with this anti-war part of second wave feminism. It was really young girls at the time that latched onto her as a role model. And a lot of those girls became third wave feminists, which didn't have as strong of an anti-military bent. And they bought their love of Leia with them. This is also around the time of the sexual revolution, Roe v. Wade, and the backlash to all of that, which in part explains the rebanding of Star Wars as a dude thing, uh, and the gold bikini, which, since it was the last movie, happened a little later. Even though girls and women had been fans of Star Wars since the very beginning, J.J. Abrams made this mistake recently on Good Morning America that the original trilogy was for boys, and the backlash was intense. It was intense. It should be. Yeah. Another related criticism from earlier reviews about Leia was that she was a damsel in distress slash love interest, while at the same time complaining she lacked femininity. And, uh, huh? Because, uh, yeah. what? It really <laughs> makes sense. I guess that's another th- another point of view. You're damned if you do, damned if you don't. It really is, because she can rescue people, but if she shows any femininity, that means that she is a damsel. But if she is too assertive, then she lacks it. Yeah. I will say, I think that's been a debate in my head, how to be a female, especially in specific cultural ideas of what feminism is, not feminism, feminine trait is Mm -hmm. versus what feminism is. It has to be at odds when that's not true. We can actually fight for our own rights with the availability of being feminine. Don't get me wrong. I don't bake things. I don't make things. And I'm not super cutesy girly. Sometimes I wish I were. Um, however, I also cannot figure out how to work mechanics on things. I do know how to change a tire. I will say Hey, that's awesome. (laughs) Uh, yeah, well, and that's, when we're going to talk about this more in a minute, but that's one thing people actually did really like about Leia, was that she was this really assertive character, but also was still feminine. So from Diana Dominguez and her work, Feminism and the Force, Empowerment and Disillusionment in a Galaxy Far, Far Away, here was a woman who could play like and with the boys, but who didn't have to become one of the boys and who could, if and when she wanted to, show she liked the boys, a woman who is outspoken, unashamed, and most importantly, unpunished for being so. 
She isn't a flirty sex bot tossing her hair around seductively to distract the enemy. She doesn't play the role of maternal caretaker, although she does display caring and compassion, or the sweet, innocent damsel who stands passively by while the men do the work, but does step aside to let them do what they're good at when it is wise to do so. Leia is a hero without losing her gendered status. She does not have to play the cute, helpless sex kitten or become the sexless androgynous to get what she wants. She can be strong, sassy, outspoken, bossy, and bitchy, and still be respected and seen as feminine. And then uh, there's a tweet from Whovian Feminism about Leia and the importance of Star Wars. Leia was a different type of princess than those in most movies shown to girls my age. She was a political and military leader. It showed me a girl who was like me, rough and tumble and loud and brash and demanding. That felt unique and rare at the time. Star Wars and Leia and Padme became fundamental parts of my childhood and identity. They showed me it was okay to just be me. Um, if you're wondering, Samantha, I'm sure you're not, but Padme is Luke and Leia's mother. Actually, I was wondering, I was trying to figure out who that was, but I was being quiet because like, did I miss that part in the movie? <laughs> it will definitely show up on the quiz. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, that was the prequel, prequel series. Okay. Oh, wait, is that the Natalie Portman character? Okay, mm-hmm. okay. I didn't know her name. Okay, got it. Yes. Uh, the character Leia became a symbol of women's protest marches worldwide, easily the most referenced pop culture character on protest signs. A woman's place is in the resistance, for example, or Rebel Rebel with her picture. Mark Hamill even tweeted about it. I know where she stood. You know where she stood. Such an honor to see her standing with you today, bigly. Yeah, so after Carrie Fisher's death in late 2016, right... After the tumultuous election, her daughter, Billy Lord, which, by the way, after watching the originals, I was like, oh, yeah, they are so similar in features. Yeah. Um, she wrote, Leia is more than just a character. She's a feeling. She is a strength. She is grace. She is wit. She is femininity at its finest, and no one could have played her like my mother. Princess Leia is Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher is Princess Leia. The two go hand in hand. Yeah, that's beautiful. Fisher's openness about her struggles with bipolar disorder and addiction were groundbreaking. She was outspoken about sexism, about mental illness, about ageism. And she was funny. Uh, Her unwillingness to sit down and be quiet were inspiring. And she infused so much of that into Leia. and, And that's what made Leia such a powerful, impactful character for so many. Um, and I just want to put in here, because I don't think you know. I know you don't know. So Carrie Fisher actually made a cameo on Sex and the City. And oh. in that level of Carrie Bradshaw, who is played by Sarah Jessica Parker, uh, she talks about the fact that there are two Carries who are writers. And at that point in time, Carrie was seen as a phenomenal writer as well, because her words were so impactful and powerful this time. So yes, you can put this into your graph. She was actually acknowledged as a feminine icon in Sex and the City. All right. You know, one of the first cameos I saw her in was Scream 3, where she also was still having some commentary about Hollywood (laughs) and its treatment of women. So there you go. Uh, After her death, Christine J. Widmayer wrote a paper called The Feminist Strikes Back, Performative Mourning in the Twitter Response to Carrie Fisher's Death about the performative grief around it on Twitter and the feminism it attracted. They were takedowns of dudes who were like, R.I.P. my first boner, and about how she was so much more than that. 
It's just so many. Steve Martin even got in trouble for this, although it was much less bonier, uh, more about her looks, but that she was so much more. And I wanted to read a quote from it. Many of these tweets become feminists not only because their authors are expressing certain views of Leia as a character and Fisher as a person, but also because they are utilizing performativity so that their grief furthers a social agenda. They are, in fact, using their tweets as a means of carrying forward Fisher's legacy of activism. And they do so by challenging patriarchal means of mourning and reintroducing Fisher's activist leanings through their tweets. In this sense, they engage in a performative goal, both as individuals performing themselves and as a collective performing a community value. It is through these performatives that divisions in the fan community are revealed and negotiated. Um, That was actually a really good read. I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Writer Anne Terrot tweeted this thread after Carrie Fisher's death about General Organa. She's not young, not wearing a gold bikini or robe. She's dressed to do what she's been training her whole life to do, lead the rebellion. This is the Leia that has lost everything, her world, her parents, her son to the dark side, her brother to who knows where, her lover. This is the Leia that could easily have been broken down or given up. But she was stronger than literally every man in her life. She kept going. When I see Fisher as General Organa, I see a woman who has put up with so much from so many men and yet keeps showing up for them. Princess Leia was great, but General Organa was Fisher's real gift to us. And she's who I'm going to be looking to in dark times. May we all be able to get up every day and in spite of our pain and loss and fear, put on our boots and vest and plan to destroy the empire. General Organa taught me that you don't have to be special or chosen to be a leader. You just have to show up and learn and do the work. And then another fan, Isaac Breen tweeted, Honor Carrie Fisher. Normalize mental illness and its treatments. Take life a little less seriously. Destroy a fascist regime. <laughs> right. And I think that's how I know her myself is as a, an amazing writer who spoke truths, whether or not you wanted it, who had an amazing comedic timing and able to have a conversation and making jokes and making light of hard issues that she had to deal with to normalized for people who can't deal with it, which we shouldn't have to do, but she was able to do it as an art form, as well as proceed into a culture where she came from a time period where you're supposed to be feminine, you're supposed to be these things, and could have leaned into, I was pretty, let me leave it at that, but came out full forces. I have words, I have I have thoughts, I have strengths. I have a mother who had to deal with those times of oppression as a woman, but I refuse to be that woman. And I'm going to teach my daughter to come forward as a roaring lion and be my own advocate. That's how I know Carrie Fisher. And she definitely broke barriers, not being just Leia, which by the way, a phenomenal character, but as her individual who leaned into that character to push forward herself as a woman who delve into women's rights, feminist rights, and also just human rights. Yeah. Yeah, and she did it all while being funny. Yeah, that's my, like, I will say, like, every time I saw her outside of any of Star Wars, because obviously I didn't see her much in Star Wars until recently, I saw her as a woman with amazing comedic timing with also the contextual ideas of what is wrong in society. Mm -hmm. She did a great job with it without having to have her own individual platforms like a talk show or something. Yeah. Which she did have one at one point. I don't know if I knew that. Yeah, I think said Wishful Drinking. I I love that title. Yeah, you should check it out. Um, In the meantime, we do, believe it or not, have a little bit more for you. 
<laughs> surprise, surprise. But first, we have one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So this is uh, what I will call an Annie original. Um, I haven't found too much research on this because it's really difficult to search, and I tried. But it's something that's been on my mind ever since we did our feminism in Harry Potter episode. And so this is what I call in the outline my feminist Luke Skywalker discussion. Because I did, I did want to talk about how in... In that, in Harry Potter and in Star Wars, there are these main male characters, Luke Skywalker and Harry Potter, which, by the way, are both my biggest crushes, fictional crushes of all time, is more balanced when it comes to traditionally feminine and masculine traits. And some have even argued that these are essentially female characters in the stereotypical sense, or they're more like female characters. Luke was originally written as a female character. So if you think about Luke Skywalker, he has plenty of masculine-coded traits, like hot-headedness, recklessness, but he's far more balanced with feminine-coded traits, like empathy, compassion, loyalty. When you take that even further with how Luke in particular interacts with the Force, because you've got Obi-Wan and Yoda, his mentors, telling him that he has to confront and essentially kill his father, Darth Vader, to become a Jedi, and Luke saying he can't do it because he so strongly believes and can feel that there's still good in Darth Vader. And he, after he turns himself over to Vader, who turns him over to the Emperor, the Emperor is urging him to embrace his anger, give in to his aggression, kill his father. Violence and anger are stereotypically masculine traits. And when Luke does that, he almost loses himself to the dark side and, and almost continues this cycle of violence, cutting off his father's hand when his father had cut off his hand in the previous movie. His act of heroism is throwing away his weapon, which, by the way, is a very phallic weapon, yes. and refusing to fight uh, to let those things control him, embracing those more feminine-coded traits like empathy. And this act brings out the empathy and love in Darth Vader and breaks the cycle. Luke also rejects the old Jedi Order as well as the Empire, much like feminism demands systemic change. Right. And I will add, some psychologists see this as the break of the Oedipal cycle, specifically refusing to kill the father. Instead, he sacrifices and suffers for him. Yeah. And there's a lot of comparisons to Christianity in there. Um, yeah, this is just something, I, clearly I think too much about this perhaps, but it is something that's been on my mind. Um, especially since I'm on this show now and watching it. Like, oh, huh. Huh. <laughs> And yes, there is a lot of sexual imagery if you look for it, if you if you want uh, the turning no. the turning on of the lightsabers, no. the egg-like Death Star, and the no. sperm-like X-Wings no. trying to land a shot. It's there. <laughs> it's there, Samantha. Um, and another thing I want to touch on very briefly is Luke Skywalker's sexuality because I think the fact that he doesn't have a romantic interest in the movies other than a fairly forced plotline with Leia who... Yes, it's his sister, although the writers didn't know that until Return of the Jedi, so... Ah. Yeah, she told me um, a lot. Yeah. Well, because I was really curious, when did they know this was true? Well, you kept um, saying, they didn't know here. They didn't know here. They knew here. <laughs> 
You're welcome, Samantha, and I'm sorry <laughs> once again. Um, means that at least if fan fiction is any guide, it's easier for people to see their sexual identity reflected in Luke Skywalker. The actor Mark Hamill even spoke to that, saying you can believe whatever you want when it comes to his sexual identity. And yes, I know this is not the same as the importance of explicit representation, something we need more of, and I am so ready for. I really wanted in the new movies Finn and Poe to end up together, alas. Um, in the extended universe, Legends uh, universe, Luke did go on to marry a woman, although that doesn't mean he's straight necessarily. But the reason I wanted to bring this up is because, as you all know, I've been reading a lot of fan fiction lately. And I've noticed that in the world of Star Wars fan fiction, there are a lot of asexual, aromantic Luke Skywalker stories, which is something I have never, literally ever, in all my years of fan fiction seen before. Um, that doesn't mean it wasn't there at all. I have very specific fan fiction circles that I traffic in. Uh, but for me, I'd never seen it. And I've enjoyed quite a few of those stories. Also, a lot of bisexual Han Solo stories. <laughs> um, and speaking of that, I've also sort of fallen into the Han Solo Luke Skywalker ship, which would is called Sky us, Solo. Yeah, which you told us a lot about also. I can't not see it. Uh, and I, I don't know why or how that is. Um, even the story I'm writing is sort of a one-sided Sky Solo story, even though there might be romance element later. Who knows what the characters will do? I certainly am not controlling their actions. Are you not? Um, I'll find out as I write. But that's one of the things I love about fan fiction. Um, and I'm clearly using it to work through things. And yes, before you ask, it's not published. Again, I think it could kill someone. It's so sad. It's made me cry multiple times uh, writing it. Um, and I do, again, I want to put out there, I'm, I'll take a prompt because I was going to read a section of my fan fiction on here, but I couldn't find a good non-sad section other than a drunk Han Solo, which doesn't have to do with Leia or even this kind of Luke Skywalker feminist thing. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mentioned Twin Sop is a really popular fan fiction thing where uh, Luke and Leia are swapped and the fanfic world took that and ran with it because there is an, an early version of Star Wars draft that it was like that. Right, and I do know, she did tell me plenty of times that Luke was originally written as a woman and then where there were stairs between Han and Luke she would make sure that we knew that it would have changed everything if he was a woman. Yeah, I, I feel like I was just trying to make the point, perhaps clumsily, that if Luke had been a woman, people would have assumed romantic things. Yeah, that's exactly the point that you were saying. But yeah, I definitely was like, oh, 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 oh. I mean, it made <laughs> sense. There, there was a lot of agreement, ahs, in yes. there. And I would have yes. never known. But you definitely let us know. Oh, yeah. I, I went into detail about the uh, the Hoth scene and the sharing of the body heat. Yeah. And, the, and then yeah. like Han was supposed to leave, but then he heard Luke was in peril, so <laughs> change. <laughs> oh, I'm so annoying. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you weren't. You weren't annoying. You were enjoying yourself. My partner was enjoying himself, and I was just there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I really appreciate it. It meant the world to me to share it with you. I was glad to share it with you. I was glad to see the excitement, I think, between this and Aliens to watch movies with the two, well, especially you, because I think you and I have watched several movies together. But yeah, the excitement that you have, because definitely went with you to Spider-Man, Spider-Verse, mm -hmm. sorry, oh, Spider-Verse, as well as some of the Marvel movies, the, the joy, the pure joy 
But this mm-hmm. was the climax of it all. <laughs> it's it's definitely like this and Harry Potter and probably this a little bit more is like I said, it's like my soul is part of my my soul. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and it does, it made me think about the importance of storytelling and that we can enjoy all these things together and we can have all these interpretations of it. And it can be so impactful for a young child to see Princess Leia and think, oh, I can do that. And that's really, really powerful. And I feel like I grew up with these characters and sometimes I catch myself missing them. Like, I miss Princess Leia. <laughs> and that's fair. Yeah, yeah. So... We've been talking for a while about this. Uh, we were going to have some holiday special discussion, but I guess we'll table that. Oh, God. <laughs> and uh, I, I wanted to put in on here that I was legitimately afraid to do this research. Um, one, that I'd never stop. And two, that I would come away feeling terrible about something that I loved. But like I said, why I totally recognize Star Wars has its problems and Star Wars fandom certainly has its problems. All this did was strengthen my love for the original trilogy and for Leia in particular. Right. I would say as a person who came in in this day and age, I didn't feel it as problematic as some things, like a John Hughes film for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I agree that I think Leia was a great character. I think knowing who Carrie Fisher was and also what she tried to represent also made it a bigger impact. And I could see why she was a phenomenal um, individual to play this character. Yeah. It was perfect. Like we said in the, that, that one quote from the part one where it seems like just a million different things happened mm-hmm. correctly. Like it was just so random and amazing that this came together and she was a huge part of that. Right. So I'm so thankful. Thankful for her. Thankful for it. Thankful for you, Samantha. For sharing this with me, thankful for listeners who maybe are like, oh no, <laughs> two hours of stuff. I don't know Wars. if people are gonna say, oh no. I think they're gonna appreciate the fact that you love it as much as you do. And they probably there's a lot of people out there who love it as much as you do. <laughs> well, I'm I'm happy to share my love, and I could have kept going and going and going, as you know. Okay, so I know I mentioned a quiz, but again, we I've really gone on and on about this. The episode's already super long. It was supposed to be a one-part episode, and now it's two hours. To be fair, um, I knew it was going to be a two-part. The minute you we know said we're so doing well. Layout. <laughs> you know me so well. Um, so we're not going to do the quiz in this episode, but we will do it uh, later off screen. I I'll, I want to know what character you get, Samantha. I have my oh, yeah. theory, uh, and I want to see if I'm correct. Oh, no, I, yeah. You're going to have to write this out on a, a piece of paper. Or okay. email it to me and I won't open it. Okay. Um, I got Luke Skywalker, which again, I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> I guess it goes back to my theory of we all ultimately love some version of ourselves. Or who we want to be. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so that brings us to the end of this epic two-parter. Uh, I hope I did it justice. And uh, thank you again, everyone. <laughs> um if you have any Star Wars thoughts you'd like to share, our ideas for future episodes, or topics we should cover, please write them to us. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at Stuff I've Never Told You. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Andrew Howard, who is also a fan. 
Yeah. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 